Hey everyone. Before we get into the show tonight, this episode features some pretty heavy content. There's conversation about family burning in a fire and a group of citizens standing by to watch. Thurbash, as you may already know, is a member of a cult. And this episode really tackles the confrontation of realizing that your life may have been a lie. So if either of those topics are difficult or triggering content for you, there will be a summary of this episode's events at the start of our next episode. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, to keep it simple, we sit down at our desks, log in online, and pretend to be someone we're not for a little while, all the while recording it to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. Follow along as our players pretend to be small-town adventurers, doing their best to put some good into the world. And my favorite part about all this is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Oh, who am I kidding? It's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Now, we loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and problematic content that comes out of the box with Dungeons & Dragons, especially in its own world lore. In short, this just means that we use the game system and some dice to decide what happens next to our characters, not some story or some world that someone else has written for us. I wonder what'll happen this week. Who knows? Maybe you'll find some common ground between two people who once thought they were enemies, only to realize they've lived the same story, but in two different directions. Let's roll the dice and find out what happens next, together. Tonight, our tale begins almost right where it left off. After Thurbash ran, fled from his companions in what he perceived to be an end-all betrayal, he sprinted into the woods and very quickly encountered a dangerous creature, a deer, a creepy deer, which tried to assail him. And in the midst of this, a new figure appeared, Hamblin, who tried to prevent the conflict, mitigate it, and then wear it down. Eventually, they managed to make a truce, and Thurbash banished the deer using a power channeled from his patron. Together, they traveled through the woodlands to the safest spot Hamlin could think of for the night, a woodland cabin built on a small plateau attached to the mountain nearby. And after some traveling through the woods, they encountered a spider's nest and made their way up to this cabin, obscuring their path. There was a bit of a heart-to-heart, and some emotionally heavy things happened. Then, Thurbash and Hamlin lay down to rest for the night. We pick up our scene with Thurbash, still in dream. He is presented with a grand tree before him, a sky beset by lights with holes in them, something that we would would know as stars, sort of. And while he was presented with this tree in in the dream, it 
requested something of him, thrust him into a ritual of the cut, which was familiar to the people of the Thousand Branches. And his patron beckoned him to cut down a tree. And in the midst of Thurbash doing so and resisting, he saw images of his brother and his youngest brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. And while looking, seeing his youngest brother where this tree was, he kind of recoiled a bit, resisted. And then he felt a presence on his mind. A voice pushed into his head and his arms moved of of their own accord. And he sliced through this tree, which no longer resembled his brother. And as it fell to the ground, it dropped a golden fruit in his hands, round and crisp like an apple. Sprouting from its stem are these strange purple and cyan leaves. Though, as you held the apple in your hand, there were odd veins, bumps across the surface of this fruit. And in the midst of this adrenaline rush, this awful feeling, you took a bite of the fruit. And you awoke standing at the cliffside, looking off into the forest beyond. And in the distance, you could see a large tree that Hamlin pointed to earlier, which resembles very closely, almost in kind of a pale mockery of the great tree that you saw when you were given this gift from your patron. Now you stand there with this strange, awful fruit in your hand, a sickly sweet taste in your mouth, too sweet, and the flavor fades. The sound of the forest chimes in around you. You can hear the crackling of the fire that's still kind of just starting to go out that Hamlin lit earlier. The wind rushes by you. And if I remember correctly, I think Thurbash was crying at this point? Yeah, Thurbash had just started to uh, kind of come out of his trance and break down. Yeah, you stand here with the fruit in your hand. Tears rolling down your face. What would you like to do? Your whole body feels hot and sore, especially hot where your patron, your gift, is. I'd like to take a look at the fruit in my hands first. Roll me an investigation check. Okay. Actually, investigation, nature... Or Arcana, your pick. Ooh. That'll flavor what information you get. Oh, man. Oh. Let's go. Well, Nature and Arcana are exactly the same, so we're going to go with Arcana. That is a six. Three plus three. You don't know much about magic, at least in the teachings of the Thousand Branches. But with that in mind... Your patron, this gift, this connection you have with them has kind of imparted these supernatural senses to you. The ability to see in the dark. Do you have the one that lets you see magic too? I do not have the one that lets me see magic. You do not? Okay. I do not, no. Yeah, so you have this extra vision that lets you see in the dark. And with your kind of crisp (laughs) HD vision, you see this fruit in front of you. The inside of it, it doesn't necessarily look like a fruit like you would expect. It's more lean. I hate to use this word, but muscle, like fibrous. And you know that when you bit in the apple in this dream with your arcana, what did you roll? I rolled a three plus three, so six in total. Oof. So you're not entirely sure what this thing is or how it managed to reach you through your dream, but you do feel something different. The wound on your side is kind of hot and pulsing like it itches. What do you do? I'd like to take the apple in both of my hands and try and take it apart, like take it, like bisect it with both my hands to see how strong the fruit is. Um, The outside is, again, hard and crisp like an apple, but 
you reach in where you bit into the fruit and you pull apart and it comes apart very easily. And inside there's just this big round black pit like an avocado. It has these little faint cracks in it that are kind of pulsing with a golden light. I'm going to drop the fruit just on the floor. It tumbles down into the grass beneath your feet and it kind of bounces once, bounces twice towards the cliffside. It watches very quickly. You see these little roots, little tendrils start to sprout out of this pit and dig into the ground and coil and you watch as they get thicker and thicker and the dirt starts to pull up around it and it sinks itself into the soil and the dirt folds back over it. It looks disturbed, but it just buried itself. I'm going to pause, staring at the image of a dream fruit burying itself in the dirt. I'm going to take a look down at my palms and see if I can see anything, any like residuum from the fruit or if there's any change just on my hands first. Inspecting your hands, you do not notice any change. Though, with that being said, you do feel that wound on your side is still itchy. And that's when it's really going to start bothering me. So I'm just going to start like taking off top layers of clothing to see what's going on. Now, Thrubesh has long sleeves on, right? Yes, he does. So as you start to take off clothing and the little bits and scraps of protective layering you have, the first thing you notice is that the wound, which used to be the size of maybe a softball, if we would call it that, a couple inches across, is now quadrupled in size. It's much larger. It has climbed up towards your shoulder, and you can see that halfway down your bicep on the left side is now a blackened bark that's kind of pulsing with the ever so faint like cyan light this thing has grown though your body feels as limber more limber than you did before <laughs> limber limb damn it <laughs> i am going to just inspect myself for a second and in a mixture of disbelief and like sensory overload i'm gonna collapse to the ground just on my butt and just like still kind of taking in both what I just saw, what I just experienced, and now the changes to my own corporeal self. Mm-hmm. Hamlin, roll me a perception check. Uh, perception. Oh, not that great. Uh, nine. Nine. That's enough. I'd say with you living in this forest enough, you know to be very alert, alert. while you sleep. Yeah. Do you have that feet? I feel like you do. I do. You do. Okay. <laughs> Remind the listeners what that does, or not me. I know what it does. <laughs> I promise. Alert. I cannot be surprised while I'm conscious, and other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls against you as a result of being unseen by me. Okay. It does say conscious, but I don't care because it fits the need here. The DC <laughs> was fairly low because you're alone at a place very high up. You just hear the soft impact of something on grass. You hear the tumbling of a few pebbles and little clinks of what would Thurbash have on him that might make noise if he just suddenly decided to plop to the ground in exhaustion. If he's not carrying his bag, he would have like a scabbard, like just because of because of like some of the knives that he has on his person. So the scabbard might make clinks as it, he like kind of plops and it like kind of scuttles against the rocks behind him or the dirt. Yeah. So Hamlin, that's what you hear. It has woken you up. What you wish to do with that information is up to you. I barely move because it honestly, it startles me. So I like my eyes open, but I don't move because I know that if something is hostile and they know that I'm awake, they might actually attack me sooner than I want them to. Would you be facing the fire or away from it? Uh, Facing it. Okay. Then you would see a Thurbash. Okay. Awake. He's like sitting by the cliffside 
on the ground, maybe on his knees. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, just a little panicked because I'm not normally with anyone else. So I realize that it's Thurbash and I sigh relief and I'll get up. Okay. (sighs) You all right? Thurbash is deathly silent. He's just kind of, it's not hyperventilating as much as it is just heavy breaths. I take a look around at my surroundings. Do I notice anything weird? Roll me a investigation check. Uh, investigation. Oh, uh, nine again. Nine again. Have you you have you camped up here often? I'd say probably like twice a month. Okay, so frequently enough that you would know some things about this area. Where Thurbash sits in a daze in front of him, you can see that the soil is a little disturbed. And growing from the ground is a piece of wood that looks like maybe the sapling for a baby tree. And it's growing quickly, which is alarming. Though for you, this is something that you've seen up here before. You watch the tree grow, it's bark black, and there's a faint glowing fey light from it. And these kind of shifting hues of cyan and violet. Before we get any crazier, I I get my axe and I attack it. You pull out the axe and raise it to take a swing and you watch as these like leaves blossom from it. And then as you just approach, you watch the plant twitch and kind of and it cracks and the leaves turn black and they turn to ash and blow away in the wind and the twig just snaps in half and falls down to the ground and then disintegrates to ash. And as you're holding the axe, you feel its presence in your hand. It's warm. You know that, at least from your experience, the reason this is safe is because this place is too far from the tree's presence, from the source's presence. So it can't take root here because this cabin, this little tiny clearing overlooking the valley is sacred in a sense. Thurbash, you see this as well in front of you. I used my boot to kind of kick around the dirt where it was. Yeah, you could kick the dirt around and kind of disturb it. And pretty easily you find a round like seed that is cracked and it's kind of glowing. And you see in the soil, the soil itself is kind of rolling over it. And as the soil touches it, the, the, the seed is like glowing with a greenish light as it's being decomposed by the soil here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take a chop at it. OK. You swing down with the axe and it impacts into the soil and you feel a soft thud as you kind of dig it down into the ground. And when you lift it up, you can just see ash pouring out of the, like blowing out of the hole in the ground and drifting away and the seed is gone. Hamlin will take take a few more swipes in anger at where it was and stomp it out and look at Thurbash and just say, what did you do? What was that? It was a gift. I thought I thought it was worth it. Worth what? What have I done? What did you do? God. Uh, how did you even get that? I... I don't know. I don't know. I... I fell asleep. And I had a dream. I was with... I was with the colony. It was... It was normal. It was... Tradition. We were following the ritual. But... I was the leader, and when I went, I struck down my own brother? Why would I do that? You weren't yourself. Whatever this is, it it makes you think it's giving you things, and it's giving you blessings, or whatever you want to believe. 
but in reality, it's just toying with you, messing with your mind, taking things without you knowing. I tried to resist. I did. But I just, I gave up. And I took that gift. I took that golden fruit. That, that was me. That wasn't, that wasn't it. That, that, I made that choice. I made that mistake. That's just part of living. Everyone makes mistakes. Hamlin, look at me. And he'll, not hiding it at all, just like top shirt completely off and like both arms out. This is more than just a, a simple mistake. I let it get this bad. I thought it was a blessing, but I feel so hot and itchy, like I'm craving something, but I don't know what. It's not you that's craving anything. That's whatever it is. Here, let me take a look. And I will use five of my lay on hands. I see the blackness on his arm, right? Like the wound? You see, yeah, you see the wood. It's grown. I mean, you don't know that it's grown, but it it's taking up like a third of his torso on the left side. And it's crawled up over his shoulder and is covering like half his bicep. I will try to use lay on hands to cure a disease or neutralize a poison affecting a creature. Um, so when you reach up, what is it? What does your lay on the hands look like as you do this? Again, it's always just taking some kind of like dirt or mud okay. and kind of like crushing it in my hand and then Ooh. putting it on the affected area. So the dirt or mud, you kind of reach down and dig your hand in the soil and pick it up, and Thurbash, he goes to put it on the wound. Do you allow it? Or on the wood? Thurbash will kind of instinctually move away for a second, but then kind of hold firm and allow him to apply the dirt. So you do this, and you watch as you pat the soil onto the bark, and it kind of sinks into the gaps in the wood. Thurbash, the soil feels very, very cold, but because of you feel so hot and itchy, it feels good. And hammond as you're patting it in you can see it kind of seal it the mud is like sealing and solidifying around the bark and you manage to cover at least cake some of this wood from his forearm all the way up to his shoulder and thurbash you're not itchy anymore as he goes through this process which takes a little bit your breathing starts to stabilize a little bit you don't feel as hot and the itch is it's only there when you think about it now is an easy way to put it okay and as you look you can see that this dirt is sprouting little green, but not buds, but like pods, almost like you'd watch a plant in your garden have a little tiny bud that hasn't flowered yet. And it starts kind of sprouting out of the mud in the soil that's caked into these wounds or into the wood, the bark. That feels a lot better, but I'm not sure about those. What is happening? This, this is not at all what I expected when I left. So it didn't look like it did anything? No, it did. What I, I will say is that it, it did not reduce whatever this is. It's beyond a normal disease, which I'm pretty sure at this point you kind of knew that in the back of your mind, just because you have a similar wound on your body. Yeah. But you can see that Thurbash's breathing has leveled out. His face, which was kind of red and flush, almost like he had a fever, has backed off. His face has kind of returned to its normal pale hue. And Thurbash... He's not itchy anymore. So whatever you did, it was reducing the side effects of this. 
Um, I will say great note using the soil because you knew the soil fought the, the seed in the first place. I mean, when I did the, uh, I think I did lay on hands on him before and that's, mm-hmm. that's the way I flavored it yep. before. It works out nicely. Um, all right, let's see if this works. I will cast protection from evil and good. Ooh. Oh, let me look that up. If my lay on hands does not work, it says until the spell ends, one willing creature you touch is protected against certain types of creatures, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. The protection grants several benefits. Creatures of those types have disadvantage on attack rolls against the target. The target cannot be charmed, frightened, or possessed by them. If the target is already charmed, frightened, or possessed by such a creature, the target has advantage on any new saving throw against the relevant effect. Yes. Okay, so I think what we can handle this is the duration is only 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. This entire time, your heart has been beating fast, right? And I think we can think into the soil. Maybe as you cast the spell, you focus on it. And Thurbash, as this thing, right, as he casts this spell, you watch the seeds, you watch the little buds on the, the woodbark arm blossom into roses. They're kind of a bright red. And Thurbash, that sickly sweet taste that was in your mouth, it tasted wonderful. That was kind of hanging around after you ate that fruit. When you watch these flowers blossom, the taste in your mouth changes from bitter to rotten, as you can't be charmed or frightened by your patron for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> oh. Which, granted, your heartbeat is now starting to relax a little. I would say if, if you want, if there was any way you wanted to take advantage of this spell, it would probably help you get to sleep, and it might even protect you from... Can I roll insight? Yes. On the effects of the spell? Yeah, sure. That is a 16. 16. So what I'm trying to do is understand the connection between the spell and the feelings that I'm currently having. So the idea is I'm using insight to kind of figure out the connection between the two and realize, oh. It's kind of clear, very clear to you. I don't even think you, that wasn't even something you needed to roll for. Oh, okay, Um, okay. But just because it's like cause and effect, right? You You eat something bad and your stomach hurts. Yeah, I meant along the lines of like, because I don't know that what the spell technically is, because it's a paladin spell. Oh, and yeah, so true. Unless... Hamlin, maybe you can let him know what you're doing. <laughs> so the way I would have cast it, by the way, would have been to take the axe and put it against the uh, the bark flesh, by the way. Oh, okay. All right. Let's roll that back a little. So you see him do this. He reaches up with the axe. What do you do? Do you just push, like gently touch him with it? Uh, yeah, I'm not like in like before when I was attacking the seed, I had both hands on the handle swinging down in a very violent motion. Mm. Um, <laughs> do for this, it is literally just one hand, not even on the hilt, but like towards the blade. So it's like I wouldn't even have a good swinging motion if I was trying to even attack, and then I kind of just like, you know how if someone were to cauterize a wound using metal? Kind of like yep. that, except just just touching it to the bark skin. You and real t- gentle. Touch it to the bark skin. And Thurbash, do you allow this? Yeah, I'm not going to fight it. For a moment, Thurbash, the area where the axe is touching feels hot and roiling and itchy. And then in that moment, you watch as the kind of carvings into the antler handle of this axe glow with a green light. And all these intricate 
little illustrations kind of fill up with the light as it makes its way towards the axe handle. And then it pulses from the head of the axe and you watch the light wash over your wound. And then all those little seed blossoms start to bloom into roses. And then because you can't be charmed by phase, I assume, for the next 10 minutes, you immediately, the sickly sweet taste in your mouth that tasted absolutely wonderful, suddenly tastes bitter and rotten. So so much so that you almost like crave a drink of water to clean out your mouth. That's how visceral it is. <laughs> I'm gonna grab my. Uh, actually, I don't have my pack on me, so I'm gonna scramble to my pack and search for my like canteen and take a, a big swig of water and like spit out multiple times, like trying to clear my mouth out. That helps a lot, for sure. After you're kind of spitting it on the ground, you've kind of your heart, your adrenaline is starting to wear off. You don't feel as pat like cornered. I guess is a good way to put it. Okay. I think... Oh, man. <sighs> Whatever you just cast upon me, I, I feel much better. Good. But I don't know how long it will hold. Not very long. Uh, I'm no cleric or anything. I'm no healer. I... I... I had a dream. And in this dream, like I said before, I was with the colony. We were going to cut down a tree. And I was up with the axe. And as I swung, the tree turned into my younger brother, my youngest brother. I tried to fight it and I failed. And then I was given the golden fruit. But I pulled it from my dream. I had it in my hands. And when I dropped it, that's when it started to sprout. When you attacked it and prevented it from growing further. I think I accepted a blessing that I shouldn't have. With the spell, the protection from good and evil just to see if there's any differentiation what protection from good and evil does it hmm your hands don't feel as clammy as they did okay a few moments ago you feel a little more refreshed i think is a way to put it so like just from for a behind the scenes here protection from evil and good the easiest way to describe thematically what the spell does it wards you mentally okay from like the sway of a creature so like right now you feel like Whatever presence was in that dream, its eye is not looking at you. That's a, a way to put it. That pressure, that like kind of awful uncertainty is gone, at least for the moment. I will say before we go any further, um, because sure. of how long you two slept, you can get the benefits of a short rest. Unless you want to keep going for the night, then you'll get a full night's sleep. That's up to you. Okay. I think that we need, uh, well, he needs a full night's sleep. Okay. I might have exhaustion, but I'm a warlock. I don't need a full night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is up to you guys. Um, right now, Hamon, you're very confident this place is safe, and Thurbash, for the moment, you feel good. I will say behind the screen, if you were to fall asleep right now, the drawbacks of your new connection definitely will not work. Will not work. Okay. Will not take hold because you have a hmm. you have a protection on your mind from charm, which is like the whole listener's. In accepting that fruit, he gained a more evolved version of a magic item that has always been attached to him. This evolved version can charm him from time to time under the right conditions. Oh, no. And that'll protect you from it, at least for now. I might cut that out. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Cover uh, ears, listeners. Thurbash will pick up his shirt and kind of redon it and try and, like, kind of clean himself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he'll he'll take a a good hard look at Hamlin 
thank you. I, I'm still unsure exactly what's happening, and I, it might be best for us to just sit here for a while. But thank you. Yeah, get some sleep. That'll be the best for the best for you. Thurbash is gonna pick up his pack and move to to the cliff edge, but not like probably a couple of feet away from the cliff edge, mm-hmm. and just take a seat, his back to the fire, kind of just staring out at the horizon. Probably around the same area where that tree is located, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place for us to fade off as you're kind of sitting here looking at the tree and you're kind of drifting off to sleep. And I will say in just enough time for the spell to protect you as you sleep or at least drift into sleep. Though <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to say you don't have dreams, but those are of your making. And the night continues on. Both of you getting a long rest here at this cabin camp on the cliffside in the middle of the woods. Hey folks, and welcome to the mid-roll. Time for the usual. Twitter, follow it for updates and tabletop content. Redbubble, check it out for cool merch, and you can find a link for that on our website. And lastly, tell your friends and spread our stories far and wide so that everyone can decorate their time in just as cool ways you do. This week, our cross-promotion partner is Concession Corner. Greetings, my excellent friends. Quarantine has been difficult for most of us. Movie theaters closed, restaurants were restricted, and shopping was tedious. Watching movies became a reprieve. I'm Matt. And I'm Tara. Join us as we explore the expansive world of film, from grisly horror to cliche action and everything in between. Concession Corner is a movie and cinema-based podcast where, as a married couple, we view movies together and share our thoughts on it afterwards. I'll uncover fan theories and rumors which often accompany many films across any genre. Listen to us on the go, in the office, or just relaxing in bed. You can find Concession Corner on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be posting new episodes bi-weekly with upcoming movies at the end of each episode. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. All right, let's get back to the show. DM, do I get uh, protection from good and evil back after a long rest? It doesn't say. Okay, because it doesn't say on the equipment. Yeah. As a paladin. Oh, that's from, is that from that's the... From, yeah, that's from the... Cra- the uh, yeah, yes, the yeah, axe. yeah, that's from the axe. Yep, you get okay. that back. Oh, That comes back every dawn. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, I used it just in the nick of time because it was just almost dawn, but it wasn't really dawn, so I used it and now I get it back. We jump right back in. Um, the night has passed, and which one of you would awaken first, do you think? I feel like me. I think that's fair. I would say maybe because of that protection spell, Thurbash actually gets a comfortable rest. The first one he's gotten in a very long time. I would have also been like, I would have been on, Hamlin would have been on edge after that. Um, So he would have gotten sleep, but he would also just, it wasn't a super, super like snoring kind of sleep. It was Mm -hmm. like sleeping right next to the, uh, yeah. So, to, to complete your long rest, which would have been four more hours of sleep-ish, Hamlin, you awaken to the sun hitting your face. In the distance, you can hear birds, and 
You can hear crows, which for this territory is familiar in the morning. As you kind of sit up, you actually look over and see there is a crow perched on a branch looking at you. And then it hops off and flies over the tree line and kind of disappears into the horizon as a black dot. Thurbash is asleep, leaning against, uh, you said a rock, I think? Yeah, leaning against a rock nearby. And what would you like to do? Hmm. Well, I guess I would... The fire's probably died out by now, right? Oh, yeah. Um, The embers are still red, but have long since gone out. I would probably try and restart the fire and get something cooking for breakfast. I'm not going to... I'm not going to wake him up. Okay. He seems like he needs a rest. Um, what you cooking? Oh, you know, a uh, little bit of jerky. Yeah, I cook my jerky. <laughs> Jeez. Um, well, you're like a hunter. Like, you hunt in the area, I would assume, right? Pro- just like small, small game, probably. Yeah. Um, and any kind of herbs. So, like, just essentially just meat. Okay. Yeah, so Thurbash, you, you awaken to the smell of food um, being cooked over what remains of the fire. I will pick myself up, and if Hamlin's sitting around the fire, I'll kind of sit opposite to him. Maybe take take a small amount, try and force myself to eat. That wasn't for you. I'll pull out some rations from I'm my just kidding, bag. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was Josh saying that as a joke. As a joke. He's actually, so he's not even, he like put in like a skillet or whatever he utensils he has, but he's not even like really cooking it. He like tossed everything in a pan or whatever. He kind of is just staring at it. He's just kind of heating it. Yeah. He's it's just heating and he's just like staring at it, but not like you can, t- you can tell that he's like not really even paying attention to anything. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, sit down across from him. Hamlin, I I want to apologize and and thank you. For what? There is uh, no real good way to explain what had occurred yesterday. And I assure you, if we both make it to safer waters, um, it'll be a tale to tell. But I was quick to dismiss you and hostile and... I treated you as an adversary when you were just simply a kind stranger. I don't think you deserve that. And I also don't think that it was necessary or or it wasn't necessary for me to dismiss you so quickly. I, I apologize. There's no need. When it's all you've ever known, it I can't blame you. I think we're actually quite alike, you and I. And on different circumstances, maybe we could have uh, worked out very well together. Not like we are right now. Uh, there is another reason why I am saying all this. It's it's not... Um, it is both because I want to, well, apologize to you. You've shown me respect and I treated it as though it was trash. But I have, while sleeping, and before I fell asleep again last night... I did some thinking. In that moment after I woke up after my dream last night, I was panicked and you were able to help me. And I think even more now that I really need to get a good grasp of what is happening here. And I think that there's one real, real good way to do that. It is a, uh, it is a hard ask, but would you guide me to the tree in the horizon, to the settlement? Would you guide me to the body of Baudry? Oof. <laughs> 
God damn it, Michael. <laughs> Sorry, I broke the scene. My bad. No, you're good. I know that it is a it is a very grand ask, and under different circumstances, I would never... What, what would you do when you found him? I don't know yet. I haven't even thought that far. All I know is that whatever's happening to me and potentially to these woods as well, they're not separate. I don't think that they are anymore. I've also thought many times, what would I do when I found him? I've seen him, gotten close, but I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. And Hamlin looks Thurbash in the eyes, but maybe together we'll figure out what to do. I can show you. I would greatly appreciate you leading me there. Uh, and perhaps I might be able to ask you questions on the way, but for now, let us just collect ourselves. And uh, Thurbash is going to uh, just take a, a moment to like make sure he has all of his effects in order. He's not going to have the sword in his hand. He's going to keep it in the bag, along with the Shard of the First Seed and basically any equipment that he's gotten from his patron for right now. They're just all going in the bag. So as we're, I think this is a good spot for us to fade away. As Thurbash, you're rooting through the bag, being careful to keep the items away from you. You notice as you reach out and touch the shard of the first seed, when you kind of grab it to move it into a pouch contained and sealed, you watch it tumble down your bag and tug into one corner, like it's standing on its end. And you kind of look at it and give it a nudge and it moves and swings back around to face the same direction again. And you kind of turn your head and look to where it's pointing. You've kind of figured out by now that this thing can detect when creatures are from another plane, as it did with Eliel. And because you're attuned to this item, you're pretty confident that as it's drifting and pointing towards that tree, it's become attuned to the nearest portal to the Feywild. And you kind of pack up the rest of your bags with an idea of where you might be heading. And the two of you gather your belongings and make your way down the path with Hamlin at the front on your way to another Cult of the Thousand Branches. Familiar familiar territory for Hamlin and shaky ground for Thurbash. On the way, would either of you, or I think Hamlin, you wanted to be the guide, right? Yeah, I'd have to be. Is there anything you wanted to do before you left this place? Um, well... Yeah, just just because I would press the digitation us both, make us nice and clean. Nice. Put out the fire, obviously, and I would actually. How rough is the outside of the cabin looking? Like the door and everything. It's it's pretty rough. It has been for a long time. I would try and just spruce it up just a tad bit. What part? <laughs> I will say on the on the facade. Not not inside. On the facade. But just, there is a tall door with a round arch at the top, like a hobbit door. It's kind of round and circular at the, at the peak. And there on either side of it, there are these kind of stained glass windows covered in dirt and grime. There are little window boxes beneath them with that might have had flowers at some point. And then the kind of A-frame that makes up the, the front of this building is a bunch of like rotted, decayed wood. How big are the windows? Stained glass windows are probably, they're wider than they are tall, so probably four feet high, six, seven feet across. Just enough to basically make it to the end, like the, the very edge of the A-frame. 
Right. I would use Unseen Servant to help me clean. The Unseen Servant would get the windows as I would try and get the door. And just kind of make it like, make it a little bit more welcoming. Just the windows and the doors as as kind of clean-ish. Because I'm not actually like, I know I'm not like equipped to clean, but still, as much as I we as much as me and my unseen server could to make it a little bit more welcoming. Ooh, you just gave me something really cool. Hold up. <laughs> yeah, you do this and make it kind of look a little more welcoming. Your unseen servant kind of rubs some of the grime off the windows with a cloth that you've had lying around. And... No, wax on. Wax on. God. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of use your prestidigitation to wipe away some grime off the door. And Thurbash... You're often behind him packing things up, putting things into bags, into your bags, and kind of like putting out the fire, rolling up your bedroll, unaware of what Hamlin's doing. And Hamlin, you run your hand across the door, and you see some text written into the frame of the door that says, The Wayfinder's Eye, we do abide. Kind of ponder on it for a moment, and continue what you're doing. You wipe away the dirt and the smudge on the, the, the round stained glass window that's set in this kind of crescent top door. And as you turn to walk away, the sunlight shines through it. And we, the viewers, see illuminated a figure. Hands, arms set wide, palms facing skyward. An illustration of winds flowing from them. And tall pointed ears. Blue hair that kind of drifts and curls into wind. And we see them, the illustration of them is kind of a fluffy coat and pale blue skin and you turn and walk away away from the wayfinder's cabin dm there is one more thing thurbash would like to do as he walks away we pan over to thurbash who is as thurbash is going through his bag he um is separating things putting things in pockets he will find the prayer book of the old one the prayer book of the thousand branches he will take that book out of the bag and set it down on the dirt next to the fire ring. I really hope I'm wrong. If I am, I'll come back. He's going to leave it there and seal up the rest of his bag. He doesn't want to carry the, uh, the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. As you place it down in the soil, it feels heavy in your, heavier in your hands than it did before. Maybe that's psychological. Just the weight of it now, it means something different to you than it did. And... You and Thurbash gather your things and walk away as our view settles on this book of ancient, gnarled, blackened bark. And we watch from the soil as bright, green, healthy buds, little vines, curl up around the bottom of the book and dig in. And the bark of this book begins to glow with a faint lime green light. And then it fades. And I think that's a good spot to stop this recording. We are at an hour, which is chef's kiss. <laughs> evil. Evil. I don't know. You, you all right? Well, yeah, no. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm stopping now. I'm the stopping. The colors, the colors are, I mean, the colors are clear. Green is good. Cyan and purple, very bad. Are, yes, bad. <laughs> hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. Yes, I know we took a little break, but I needed some time off for a huge life event involving a ring and some very much needed vacation time in a desert. No worries though, we're back in the swing of things with more to come. Hamlin is played by our special guest, Sundragon, who also plays O'Reilly. 
with a W on the Gilded Lily. Our songs and ambient music for this episode are features from Kevin McLeod and Sword Coast Soundscape, which you can find in our episode description and on their Bandcamp pages. We're also using tracks from Dark Fantasy Studios to support the narrative. Stay safe, and see you soon. that hang guitar <laughs> maybe together <laughs> sorry well, if you can restart that sorry he yeah threw sorry me. about that <laughs> that's what i get for not proofing my songs all the way through damn it wait no it's just an enchanted you know loot <laughs> <Relax. laughs> i listened to like 90 percent of that song and apparently the 10 percent that i missed had electric guitar in it <laughs> the very end uh,